Are you loving the Categorically Romance podcast? Are you looking for even more places to get your romance fix? Do you rewatch When Harry Met Sally every fall? Yeah, we thought so. <laughs> Check out Meet Cute's newest podcast, The Rom-Com Room, where rom-com connoisseurs Kendra and Mercedes unite each Friday to nerd out about their favorite rom-coms, their love to hates, and every crush and romantic detail in between. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Categorically Romance podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Bree. And today we're joined by author Lydia San Andres. We are so excited to have you here today with us. Please tell us a bit about yourself. Hi, guys. I'm so excited to be talking with you today. Um, as you already said, my name is Lydia. I live in the Dominican Republic, and I have been writing historical romance for around seven years now. Wow. Wow. Okay, we have to hear like, well, let's do the romance origin story. And then maybe that'll make it make sense. How did you become a romance reader? Oh, my God. Okay, so that's kind of an interesting story. So I, I've been reading pretty widely, I would say pretty much every genre since I was well, my mom says I learned how to read when I was two years old. I don't know if I believe her. But I've been writing, I've been reading my whole life, right? Mm-hmm. So I was reading everything, but I didn't get really excited about romance until around, I would say, 2014. Um, I was going on a trip with my sister, and we were going to be flying to New York through Germany and then to Istanbul. And I knew that I was going to need so much reading material. And we had agreed that we would only travel with carry-ons. So I couldn't pack the 25 million books that I would that I was going to need. Of course not. No, you know. (laughs) So I decided, you know what, let me give ebooks a try. And there were a lot of free historical romances, um, including one by Courtney Milan, The Governess Affair, which was one of the first books I read on my new e-reader. And I was immediately hooked. I just said, you know what, this is it. This is it. I love this. This is my genre. Uh We've all been there. I know. <laughs> so, Shout so out to those to e-readers, man. <laughs> so do you think, would you say like Courtney Milan for anyone that doesn't read historical, do you still feel like that's a good, like a great gateway into the subgenre? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think that her books are so smart in a way that's so accessible. And they're not, I would say that, that they're, they're sort of, they're so easy to love, right? Um, her characters are so incredible and so well-drawn that you just, that even if you're not a, Rome, a historical romance reader, you just get swept in really quickly. Yeah. Wow. Well, we are so excited for your Harlequin historical debut, Compromised into a Scandalous Marriage. Please tell us all about your book. Oh my gosh. Okay. So this is a book. Um, it's about a woman named Paulina who was cast out of her house during a storm by her terrible brother. She ends up spending the night um, with her closest neighbor, who is a bachelor. And even though it's pretty innocent, there she's compromised, as, you know, historical convention mm-hmm. will dictate. And mm-hmm. they are forced to get married. I have to say that I read the book last week, and the first 70 pages 
of that book are so intense. Like it is one <laughs> of the best setups of a book I have ever read. I think I experienced every freaking emotion out there. I hate Antonio. I've never hated a character <laughs> more. Um, it's it's so good. I mean, literally, I don't want to spoil it for anyone that hasn't read it. But like Sebastian, the hero at one point is like, you know, he's he's met Paulina and he's interested in her she's interested in him but then the way that you set up the book he's looking at her like you're part of this like you set me up and you feel for him like you as the reader are like no she didn't do that but then again I can understand why you would think this it's so good it's so good so where did the inspiration for their book come from oh that's an interesting one I actually read about it in a court case so I've been a historic a historical researcher for years um, almost 10 years, actually. And even though it's my work, I love to do it for fun. So I will like dive into the archives and just read, you know, all of those older documents just for inspiration or whatever. And one day I was reading about this man who was actually Dutch, I believe, in the late 1800s in the Dominican Republic. He was trying to get an annulment because he had gotten married against his will. He basically said, you know what, my next door neighbor came over one night. She was really upset because she'd had a fight with her family. And she said she had nowhere else to go. So I told her she could, she could stay here. And then the next morning, they all came over and they basically said that I was compromising her and that we really needed to get married. And they held him at gunpoint and put oh him in gosh. chains until he agreed to marry her of course he did end up getting the annulment because he did not fall in love with his neighbor um but that story was so wild that i knew it had to be it was i i knew it was the center point sort of like the seed for a whole a whole romance absolutely yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Leave it to the romance reader to like read this in the archives and be like, how can I give this a happy ever after? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Just what I was thinking. <laughs> well, we'd love to know about your journey to getting published. Well, I think it was, it's not very, it was very untraditional. Um, like, as I said earlier, I've been writing historical romance for seven years. I've been mostly indie publishing since then because- mm -hmm. When I put out my first book in 2005, I was not at all convinced that the publishing industry was interested in historical romance about people of color. Of course, mm -hmm. that has changed so much and I'm so happy about it. Um, but at the time, I just thought, you know what? I don't even think I'm going to try to send this to anybody because this is probably just going to be something that I do for fun and nobody will read it. And I will probably never write another one of these books again. Um, jokes was on me. Right. Seven years <laughs> later. Thankfully, yes. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it, I had already been publishing for a while. I did stop for a couple of years because I was in grad school. Um, I was doing a master's on muse in museum studies and I graduated right as the pandemic started. Oh my god! Suddenly every museum, I was living in New York at the time, every museum was closing and laying off their staff and I thought, uh-oh. <laughs> right, like what am I going to yeah. do? <laughs> So I started writing I just romance to to cheer myself up mostly. Um, around that time, I was uh, contacted by my editor, 
Nicola Koss, who is incredible. And she and I actually, I spent a few months sort of like trying to find the right idea and we were talking. Um, so yeah, she's the one who approached me and I'm so happy that she did. Well, can you tell us as far as with Harlequin, can you tell us your I got the call story? Yes. So, so basically, we had been talking for a while. Um, I took forever to send her proposals. Um, We had been talking for a while. And I know that she had some concerns about the hero being the owner of a sugar mill. And my lovely agent, Sarah Younger, she put together a call for us. And I thought we were going to discuss that, right? Imagine my surprise when in the middle of the call, Nicola says, oh, no, actually, we want we want this and we want another book. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, I, I have no idea what happened for the next few minutes. I think my mind went blank. I don't know if I said a word. Um, and then we hung up and I just laid on the floor like, what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> so you, you got a call and didn't even realize it was the call. <laughs> right. <laughs> So can you tell us like what inspired, like what finally gave you that push of, okay, I want to try. I mean, I love that you started off indie. I I love that. And I think there's so many incredible historical romances in the indie world, but like what finally inspired that push? Like I'm going to try this. So I think it was a mixture of things. Um, Partly I really wanted to work with Nicole. I think she's amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, To be completely honest, there is a financial component to indie publishing. Um, Oh, yeah. That is it. I had been in grad school for two years. Uh, I hadn't been working for two years. And in order to publish a really quality product, you need to make an investment up front. And at the time, I wasn't really prepared um, to do that. So that was one other thing that sort of pushed me over into the yeah, traditional. Yeah. We have a, a friend that is um, in the process of indie publishing her first book, and she kind of walked us through all the financial. I we didn't even I don't even think Aaron that we knew that no. <laughs> the money that yeah. went into publishing it, <laughs> and we were just like, oh my gosh, you have to pay all pay for this and pay for that, and it's expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, those yeah. ISBNs were the, the biggest shock to me. It's like, yeah. well, you might as well buy 10 of them. You might as well right. buy the 10-pack because you're going to need at least three. Gosh, yes. It can get it can get really pricey, especially now when people are used to, I think, like, readers are used to really high-quality products. Yeah. Because yeah. I would say, like, 10 years ago, you, can, you could get, you know, a cover that you could put together yourself and just sort of put it up and people would read it. But now readers are... Are, they want quality. That expectation right has changed. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, what's been your journey from the call to now? Well, I've been writing um, both books. Uh, I just finished the second book, and I've been working with my editor on making them both not suck. <laughs> <laughs> Um, pretty much, I, I would say that most of, most of my time has gone into just sort of keeping my head down and just writing the next book. Um, I actually finished, I actually, uh, sent it to my editor yesterday. So for the next week or so, my process is going to be, um, more about watching TV and catching up on everything I've missed. I think you deserve that. That sounds wonderful. (laughs) Yes. Well, can you share with us what are some of your favorite romance tropes to read? Oh my god, I am a sucker for enemies to lovers. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. I love it so much. And since I read a lot of historical, anything that has a matchmaker in it, oh my God, more books should have matchmakers in it. I agree. I love yes. matchmakers. <laughs> yes. The matchmaker who has never been able to find a match for herself. Oh my God. Well, off the top of your head, do you have any that immediately come to mind that you're like, read this? Um, Matchmakers? I don't know. I, I feel like I haven't read one in a while. Or Enemies to Lovers. Enemies to Lovers? Well, since we were talking about Courtney Milan, she has one, I think it's Proof by Seduction, where the uh, the heroine is a fortune teller, and the hero is trying to prove that she's uh, not real. <laughs> oh, I love, I love <laughs> It's really good. It's so good. <laughs> That that's actually been around for a while. Um, for more recent books, oh my god, I feel like I'm so I've been so focused on writing for the past few months that I haven't really kept up with a lot of new releases. Mm-hmm. I should have mm-hmm. really. Yeah. Well, I guess I have like a random question that I want to throw in there. Like, how do you feel that historical romance? is changing or is like I'm a I'm, I'm a history major and I, I feel like there's just all these time periods that could be explored everybody fell in love despite whatever they were gro- going through but like we are you know getting so far away from these time periods at the same time but like there's still so much you can do so like as a writer and a reader of historical like how do you feel like that subgenre is continuing to grow if that makes any kind of sense i mean i think that you are definitely seeing some uh less common uh time periods the okay. harlequin historical line has such a wide array from like vikings and medieval to 20th century it's not just like the usual regency that everybody sees i also feel like the genre is getting or like the subgenre is getting more more and more diverse, which is so incredible. Now mm-hmm. you're seeing more historical romances about people in different places, in different situations, even, you know, obviously different obviously it's it's diverse in that it's it you have more queer characters now, you have more characters of color. So I do think the genre has been opening up opening itself up to more diversity every yeah. year. You know? Yeah. Definitely. Well, what is one piece of advice that you would offer to aspiring writers? Oh my gosh. Honestly, the most important is, and the one I feel that everybody says, it's you have to read. You have to read so much. You have to read so wildly. Read in your genre, read outside of your genre, read everything. And I would actually add that it's really helpful to keep a list of all the things that excite you and that make you think because when you're reading because that eventually will become the things that you see over and over in your fiction when you're writing okay yeah and also just really i would tell aspiring writers to be kind kind to themselves because writing is hard yeah (laughs) it's so hard And I feel like we we can we can try to push ourselves so hard. But at the end of the day, you know, it's not just about words on a page. Writing is about so much. And we can get a little bogged down sometimes with sort of trying to do more and more and more. Mm-hmm. And honestly, writing should be fun. Yeah. Even if it's your work, it should be fun. Yeah, that's, I like that. I like that a lot. Well, lastly, where can everyone follow you online? I am pretty much everywhere 
at Lydia's all the time. Um, I am not using social media a lot anymore, but I am on TikTok sometimes because my little sister told me to. <laughs> I feel like that's kind of the general consensus <laughs> lately. Yes. Yeah. And she yells at me when I don't update it. So um, I'm on there a lot. It's support. I, I love the support. It's support. <laughs> We're all about accountability here, like Brie right. likes to say. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and your sister's yeah. holding you accountable. <laughs> oh, definitely. Oh, yes, she really is. But aside from that, I'm, you know, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Lydia all the time. Okay. Well, we will have all of those li- links to everywhere where people can keep up with you in the show notes. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today and letting us talk to you. And we're so excited for everyone to read Compromise into a Scandalous Marriage. Oh my gosh, Paulina and Sebastian. <laughs> you know, thank you like, so much for having me. Yes, 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 yes. I have to say, like, we I, I feel like for me when I'm reading a romance, I wanna feel like these two are never gonna get together. And when I read that book, I was like, there's no way these two are gonna like you know the rules of romance, you know what's gonna happen, but the way you set it up, it's like they're never gonna get together. So it's fantastic. It's so good. We can't wait for people to read it. Uh listeners, make sure you check the show notes. We'll have all the places where you can keep up with Lydia San Andres, as well as where you can get your copies of Compromise into a Scandalous Marriage. And we hope that you come back. You're going to have more books. So please come back. (laughs) Definitely. And Aaron and I will chat with you in our next episode, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful day.